My name is Jimmy, sometimes Jimmy J, and sometimes Shay. This is a podcast about human relationships, human potential, and that curious space between the dark and the light. So, hello and welcome to episode 79, the Twilight Conversations. Episode 79. I have no accent for that one. Don't know what to do. Didn't come, so I didn't come. Sometimes an accent just comes naturally. Anyway, this is Christmas Eve, um, about five o'clock, half five actually, as I'm starting, starting late today. Uh, I wasn't particularly watching any football. I was watching football, but the big Liverpool game was yesterday. Now, those non-football fans, I apologise for the next few minutes. <laughs> Liverpool played Arsenal yesterday. Arsenal are Jerry's team, my wonderful editor. I like Arsenal as a team. I like Man United, of course. But uh, Arsenal came to Anfield, Liverpool's home. We played out a one-all draw. Rivet and football, both teams wanting to win. Fucking fantastic. Right, point each. Two rivals for the top of the Premiership. Uh, two fabulous goals. Great, great football bit of drama, a few injury, all that stuff happened, right? Man United came to Anfield the week before, closed up shop, put 10 men behind the ball and didn't come out and play. Played for the draw. You know what I'm saying? So, this is Man United. Fucking respect, come on. Fabulous football uh, institution. You know, but look, Needs must, I suppose, if we're in their position, they're they're having trouble. We do the same. But I just want to say that the fucking the difference, the contrast. You get a better game. Um, I'd rather lose and go out playing good, but that's just me. I'm not buying for the Premiership. Anyway, that's that out of the way. So here I am now. This is Christmas Eve. You probably know some of you that know me. And again, I've been having this conversation with someone else recently. When you try and talk a bit about Christmas. Realistically, people do that. Oh, about humbug, you know. Fuck off. You're missing the whole point. <laughs> I love that people are happy. I want everyone else to be happy. I'm a very generous person. Well, I don't know if I am. I'm, no, I'm as generous as the next person. I'll give you whatever, all of that. I don't mind that. Giving is beautiful. I think we should do it all year round, incidentally, not just Christmas. That's another one I'll come back to. Because uh, people are like cunts for the whole year. Then it's Christmas. Hey, yeah, that's Christmas. There you go. It's like, yeah, right. Fuck off. Do you know? <laughs> Do you know that kind of hypocritical vibe? Not to say if Christmas doesn't act as if it's an, a, a catalyst for someone to shift. Absolutely. I've, I've had that with people. Ah, oh, come on, it's Christmas. Fuck it. You know, fine, fine. I don't care what excuse you want to use. If it's for peace, let's do it. Um... And I love it, and I loved it as a kid, and I loved Santi as a kid, um, and even the kind of magical, and the, the, I thought I could hear reindeers and bells outside. It was probably possibly the wind blowing the railings or something. I don't know what it was, but for me as a kid, it was Santa, and I was terrified and excited at the same time. I was like, <gasps> hold my breath, because if he sees me, I won't get me pressy. I'm not asleep. And that was beautiful. It's a magical time for children. And I, I believe in magic, and, I, you know, when, when you get behind the kind of... The, the the kind of also obscene you know capitalist type of fucking uh, fiasco that Christmas has become behind that there is real magic for sure you know the spirit of Christmas I believe in that so you know just want to make my position clear 
The other thing that fucks me up about Christmas, I never know what day it is. Is is it Sunday? Is it Saturday? What's the, what's what's is it Christmas Day? Or New Year's Day? Is it a week? Like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Completely disoriented. I don't know. What, still don't know what, it's kind of half five. I'm doing a podcast. This is Christmas. I mean, I got up this morning had a shower. I thought I was going to work. I thought it's not. It's a Sunday. Is it Monday? Is it? Is it the summer? It's really, what's going on? <laughs> really kind of plays fuck me yeah, up. Plays havoc with my uh, circadian rhythms. As we call them or whatever. Anyway, so here we are, Christmas Eve. Bit of break from work. Um, I have in the back of my mind's voice, Jimmy, you better hurry up because you can't go on for too long. And I'm kind of going, it's my podcast to go for as long as I like. They, they won't be interested. Well, if they're not interested, they're not interested anyway. I don't know. Uh, okay. You know, it's funny when you hear these voices in your mind, isn't it? And you actually listen to them and kind of go, well, the way you believe that is that interesting? You know, I'm trying to practice what I'm asking you to do. I listen to that voice kind of going, you better hurry it up now. Um, do you know the way on the telly? Yes, it's you, the telly, that's a bit broad, Jimmy. But the other way on uh, often chat shows and stuff, they never have enough time. Yeah, yeah I just, I've got 30 seconds left for the really good guest. We just listened to a half hour shy from someone else. I repeated that already, didn't I? I might do that a bit. So, uh, if you know what I mean, they don't have enough time. I mean, they're always putting their hands in the room. They're just telling me, yeah, we have to wrap it up here. Yeah, I was really interested in that. It's, it's kind of a version of that. It's like someone's in here going, we have to wrap it up, Jimmy. I don't think we do it. It's my podcast. Fuck off. You know. Mm. So, I do have quite a lot to get through. So, it could be a little while. I, I think a lot of podcasts, I mean, if you have guests, you know, interviews an hour and a half, two hours is kind of acceptable. Uh, when you're doing it on your own, it depends, you know, sometimes an hour, you know, but then people can kind of, as I often say to me, if it's longer than an hour, they listen to it in, in stages and stuff like that. So if I start getting into censoring too much, I'll lose my creative flow. And we don't want that. No one wants that. Okay, why do I see Trump MAGA written? There will be some Trump, Trump, Trump MAGA stuff hanging around at some point. Okay. So, hello, this is Father Misogynist. Um, I just want to say that the Twilight Conversations is an absolute disgrace. Now, I thought that young man, Jimmy, uh, had Jimmy J, I think they call him, or Shay, or something like that, had some very interesting points to make at some point, and I'm sure he means well. But all this nonsense about men and women being equal, really, and his profanities, and they're just not Christian. And I am objecting strongly to the Twilight Conversations, and I recommend, let's get back to traditional values. Come on, let's get back to the man working, the woman at home, you know, around the oven there now with her apron on, you know, baking pies, children agog with, ex you know, excitement, going to church, praying together. Come on now. Stop this nonsense and I urge you not to listen to the Twilight Conversations. Father Misogynist, out. <laughs> Sounds like a priest name, doesn't it? Misogynist, Father Misogynist. Um, anyway. I just saw that written there, Father Misogynist. So, I, I'm just to say the the general theme of the podcast is more is is a the is is the thematic. It's a follow on uh, as they all are from really how to be a human being, really, but particularly if we've had experiences of being around again what I'm going to call the DT group, the Dark Tetrad group. 
uh, or just unsuitable, unhelpful types of relationships for us, or if we've been hurt in ways, how do we heal? How do we recover? You know, because it, it's it's not easy. It takes a while. So I'm going to continue on in that theme. Uh, a lot of, uh, I suppose, yeah, again, good feedback uh, previously to the previous podcast. Find it really interesting. Uh, want me to talk more about the healing process. It's very hard to actually talk about it. It's very hard to capture, you know, those bland day in, day out days where you just have to chip away at it, you know. There's no replacing that. We just It's a bit like if we can liken it to going to a gym or losing or gaining weight, whatever it is you feel you need to do or gather muscle, uh, muscle tone, which after I had cancer, I lost so much weight from the treatment, not the cancer. No matter, even when I was able to get back on the bike, I just couldn't get any muscle tone in my legs. I always had good muscle tone in my legs from playing football over the years and cycling. But they were just, I couldn't get it in. It took ages and ages until I could get back playing football. So it's kind of like that, or you're working away in the gym, or you're doing your run, whatever you're doing. You know, the best thing to do is not look at, not check it, just keep at it. And then one day you kind of go, oh, that's good. It's kind of a bit like that, the journey, you know, look but don't stare. So I'm going to talk about deep healing um recovery um juxtapose that i suppose with the backdrop uh, as i often do of uh, the authoritarian far right wing ideology that is kind of gaining momentum in our consciousness in the world quite a lot lately um trump's right at the center of that unfortunately um it is a little bit scary and i'm not an alarmist uh, it's a little bit if he gets voted back in because you know it's going to be mayhem if america collapses democracy wise you know and as i've said before democracy is not perfect but i think the usa with all its crazy faults holds democracy beautifully the best way it can you know to the world it shines that light really you know um uh, even though as i've said before its origins were in greece obviously that's where a lot of things began but America in the free world, the most powerful nation in the free world, has been the beacon of light and democracy. And as I said, with all its fucking madness, we have to applaud that and, and draw from that, you know. And yeah, it's flawed to fuck for sure, for sure. But I would take all those flaws and have another Trump fucking regime in. And oh, Lord, don't even think about it, right? So whilst I'll joke and take the piss out of him is a very dangerous element. But what I want to try and do is, again, juxtapose. I think that's the term side by side. I just wanted to say that because it sounds good. Oh, he said juxtapose. It's very intelligent, Jimmy. Very intelligent, you know. Yes, adjacent to... That's probably something, something different, but we'll throw it in there anyway for good measure. But Or to mirror probably or reflect that whole world, and I'll talk about it more, the authoritarian, the far right populist movement. Um, I'm not saying every single person in it is a DT. DT is dark tetrad. I'll, I'll say again what the dark tetrad is because it's really, really important. But it, it, it embraces all of those awful qualities uh, and doubles down on them so one feeds the other if you get me so it, it creates an environment that becomes more intolerant of each other becomes uh, accepts violence much quicker um, uh, racism abuse you know you see where I'm going uh, homophobia xenophobia all the stuff right is there 
So that's a that's what happens is a condensed version of that. If you're in a, a you know coercive control situation or a dark tetrad situation type of relationship or family, um, it just enhances, it strengthens that. It's like this, like when you look outside, it's going on out there too. It's like fuck. You know, it's a horrible place to be. And then the person at the at the helm of the coercive control, who's inevitably going to be a Trump fan, right? And even if they're not, they're going to say they are because they agree with some of his crap, right? They're rubbing their hands, you know? So it's like you can lose sight of values, really, you know? And again, if you think of the gaslighting nature of the DT people, what they do to you or try to do to you if we let them, is make you disbelieve your own world, uh, your own values, wonder what your values are. You're seeing all this shit going around, you know, right? Okay. So I will be, again, putting them side by side every so often, just as a reference point, okay? Because it's, it's, they're so interconnected, I can't, you know, it's not like we can live at home and all that politics is going on out there. It's influences hugely. It's come, it's in the air, it comes in the drinking water and early. So notice it, be aware of it, be aware of what you're thinking, what you're believing. Critically think about it, you know. Again, as I, I did a, a podcast a while back on the misinformation stuff, it's fucking rampant and no one better than the DT far right. There's a classic example. Far right propaganda is off the fucking scales with the disinformation, right? And a lot of the Hitler rhetoric is coming from Trump now as well, which is really like word for word, he's quoting Hitler. Do you know what I mean? He's quoting Hitler in terms of like, uh, poison the blood of our nation. That's a direct Hitler quote, you know? The vermin, he's talking about the vermin, anyone that goes against him, you know? So it's not like, we know in all politics there can be debates and there's your side and our side, blah, 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 blah. And we have differences of opinion and we agree to disagree as civilized human beings, right? Anyone that's not trying to sniff up his hole, basically, I apologize if that sounds a bit crude to you. Anyone that doesn't do that is an enemy of his and he's going to use stochastic terrorism to hurt you. And people are under threat everywhere from him because he's attacking people all over. And once he says attack, he says sick, all his fucking rabid mob are banging on people's doors and arriving at people's jobs. It's fucking horrendous what's going on there. It's, it's awful. That's what he's doing. Anyway, so you can, you can, so that's, uh, they're all the flying monkeys, if you like, of the world, if you like. So he, it's, it's like when the coercive controller or the abuser in your life, hopefully they're not in your life anymore, turns everyone against you or gets people to attack you, you know, like that type of stuff. Okay. Um, Right. My kitchen tune, dance tune, because there's a few people, but one person in particular just gets such a kick out of that. Why, I don't know. Maybe it's just funny, it's permission to dance. But I'd be doing it anyway. Um, It actually merged into two or three songs, but what it was originally is, um, and a shout out to uh, Paul Lynch, if you mentioned Paul, my colleague, friend, he works in Solskjaer now, he's been around working in addiction for, for as long as me forever you know um, we'd send each other music well him more to me he comes up he's more with the modern stuff and this guy Sam Fender do you know him the Newcastle guy he sings in his own Newcastle accent you know what I mean I was always the fucking jugger you know what I mean Huila lads fucking great I love that but he's kind of quite an exciting interesting you know sound to him but his song 17 Going Under it's just got a kick and beat. Boom, boom, I was bopping. It's a great, you'd have to, 
you know, and he's in his accent. But he's got this, there's lots of interesting lines in it. But there's the one, I think it's a song that's kind of, it's a bit angry in some ways, but it's kind of releasing anger. It's trying to let go. And it's got that, you know, I can identify so much with this line. Um, I was, af I was afraid to hit him then, but I'd punch him in a heartbeat now. And it's not really a violent song. You can just see, like, I just want to let go of that. And then, boom. But it fucking rips along. So that's what I'm slip, slipping and sliding around to um, in all kinds of ways. But um, as I was making my tea and hopping, bopping about the kitchen, of course, it's on a playlist that I have. And the, the playlist for these uh, podcasts, they, they run into each other, if you like. So the next song that comes on is from last week, Cuddly Toy, <laughs> right by Rochford. So I'm milling to that and I'm up and down the hallway. And then I realized something that I hadn't realized before. You know when you kind of catch yourself doing something? I don't know if it's a good thing or not. You become aware because if you come too aware of you, I become a bit like, you know, uncomfortable in myself. It's good to just let go. But I noticed. I am. Um, as again, I'm trying to promote dance movement, whatever you want to call it, self-expression without it being prescribed, you know, descriptive rather than prescriptive to just be as you are. And again, I don't have anyone, anything against anyone that has lovely dance movements that they learn. They can look fantastic. I think the real personality comes out there too. But I just love the the, the, the freedom to, to write, to sing, to move the way you want to, you know, it's really what I'm saying. Um, but I noticed uh, there's two parts to this. Two parts. This is a two-part story. One is back in the probably 90s when I worked. Uh, I was working in Ballymore at the time anyway. I had two clients. I think one has certainly passed away, sadly, through addiction. The other, hopefully, is still alive, I hear. Who, among all the problems they had, were both profoundly deaf. Uh, and they were kind of ostracized from the deaf community. And if you're um, hearing impaired or profoundly deaf, it's quite an isolated world anyway, unless you're in with your own world. So it's quite isolated to be in that world and try to deal with the hearing world. That's a whole thing, right? Um, but these were like, that, that had a heavy religious element. I think it's changing in, in the deaf community now. Um, they were kicked out because they were like on the edge. They were drinking, they were drugging, they were like home, they were doing all that type of stuff. Anyway, somehow, as a lot of people, they ended up in Ballymun. And um, they ended up where I was for some reason. Someone said, go into your man over there. Or they arrived at the office and they were sent in. Maybe I just happened to be there or whatever way it was. And I had no sign language at all. These guys had street, they had sign language, but they did a lot of street sign, you know, kind of very, they were kind of like quite feral, you know. So I had the two of them sitting around me in the room. It's got a lovely eyes, actually, you know. So we basically had to work out that if they taught me sign, I would try and help them to get a bit of order in their lives, you know, whatever about therapy, who knows, whatever therapy we're doing. Cut down on the gargoyle. That's just, you had to do damage limitation, basically. But they came religiously because it was somewhere to go as well. And we had tea and all that type of stuff. Um, but in the course of all of that, anyway, I picked up a little bit of sign. And Irish sign language is beautiful and it's different to, it's like the American sign language, but different to, say, English sign language. English sign language, the alphabet is on two hands, where the Irish sign language is on one hand. So it's very handy it's, and it's quite easy to learn. So I know that. 
like in spell words, and I have a few signs that I remember that they taught me and I started to learn and just basic gestures. So I love, I love the expression of it. It's beautiful, you know, and it's kind of, you're in your body and you've got to use your eyes quite a lot. Uh, it's amazing. Anyway, what I found was I was using sign language or various different forms of sign language that I could remember to songs, you know. So you got to feel for me, baby. I'm signing feel and, you know, and baby and, you know, and I think, all right, I probably always do that, you know, or variations of that. Now, some signs are universal. We know love and baby, you know, but even more intricate and I'm, I'm spelling out words or I'm half spelling them or I'm making this, that, that, you know, for freedom, I'm doing the F sign and da, 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 because I was, uh, as Cuddly Toy finished, it moved into um, Soup Dragons, free to do what I want. And psh, and I realized I was really doing it there. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Now, I've seen other art, artists, music artists using that occasionally. And I wish they would more. They'd use, they bring sign language into it because it's beautiful into their songs and their dance. You know, you'll see it on the news and it's very staid and it's fair enough. But when it's more flowy and fr it's fucking fantastic, you know. But I didn't know I was doing that until today. And the other piece that I didn't realize I was doing was, especially if it's a kind of a fast tune, because fast tunes can be challenging to dance to. <laughs> you know, I always remember uh, Phil Collins, you can't hurry, love. It just was too fast. Just, what do you do to that? You know, um, go to the toilet. Anyway, I'm also doing football moves, you know, because football moves and dance are quite similar as our martial art movements. So I'm also as if I had a ball at my feet as well. And I was trying, you know, so that's the balance. And I probably always had a little bit of a sense, but the two of them came together in a way I didn't realize before. And I'm thinking, I'm hoping I don't become too conscious of it now and think about it and just kind of go with things. But uh, that, that's what was happening. So I was kind of like doing a little bit of a shimmy and flicking a ball and, you know, and I was imagining there was a ball there as well somewhere because as a kid I had a ball all the time everywhere I'd be out um, I was in Betty's recently and she was you know the way when there's people there because uh, uh, Carol and Jason were back from America I'll get back to Carol and Jason in a minute the, the story these will all link in these stories right and Betty was saying oh I remember Shay out playing and I couldn't the neighbours were complaining because he was kicking the ball at 10 o'clock at night because on the road there was kind of a floodlight so you could still play so I'd be practicing, you know, or maybe roll the desk, you'd be doing football, tennis, and there was a fence there, you get an uh, fucking I can understand it annoying the neighbours, you know. Um so yeah, I remember that. So I was always and I had a ball always with me, you know, and in the morning and the at one point. And then I'm I'm sorry I let that go when I did, and I'm delighted I'm back into it now a bit as uh, an older man. Anyway, that's the story of the <laughs> the kitchen dance routine as it's becoming now, you know. Uh, so yeah, it was Sam Fender, 17 going under, great song whether you want to dance or not, it's fucking kicking, the drums and it are brilliant, it's very hard not to move to it, it's very animated, it's, as I say, it's angry but not violent, it's kind of got a bit of healing feel, that's why it's in today, because it's all about, it's all about healing and moving on, sometimes healing we have to show our teeth and say, fuck off, right, in the most nicest way, you know, or reject something and say, not for me. Not for me. Off you go. Not for me. Living it. You do that. You know, and we can do it gently, but sometimes someone won't listen. So that boundary has to be stronger. Stronger. And, and yeah, and you, there's ways to do that without any violence, peaceful resistance. Um, and you can always shoot someone. They don't hear you. <laughs> um, okay. 
so that was the the, the kitchen dancing room and that realization of yeah of um irish sign language with uh combined with kind of playing football with just the joy of the song as well oh that there's a memory now i'm after forgetting it's after coming back to me because I was involved in that work then, I started to connect in with the deaf community to try and learn a bit more sign at the time. This is about late 80s, early 90s, that kind of era. era. And, and I knew a colleague who who's had a family member who was hearing impaired. And she was saying to me, Jimmy, there's a job going in the, uh, the not the deaf club, but the, the, the uh, you know, it would have been interpreted in a work home with adolescents and maybe, you know, problem drug users because there wasn't much of that in the, the deaf community at the time. I hope there is now. And she said, you'd be really great at it. Just pick up your, you know, they'll teach you more sign and you'd be good with young people because I did that quite a lot. Like I'm in my 30s then, early 30s. And it was really exciting and I thought, yeah, yeah. And, and someone else who was involved in that said, yeah, we'd love to get you and it would be great, you know, bum, bum, bum. Could have, could have introduced addiction programs and therapy pro and all that stuff. Anyway, I went to the interview. I thought I dressed. I hate fucking interviews. Who likes them? I didn't put a tie on. That's significant, right? For some, I hate them. And I'm thinking, what's that got to do with the job anyway? You know, the job. I wouldn't be wearing a tie in the, you know, you know, all that type of stuff. Common sense, but apparently common sense isn't common sense. So I go, but I'm, clean and I'm tidy and I've got, you know, and I, I've got sufficient sign and I'm, I would, they said they would teach me and I have all the other experience at that point, I'd, well, if I'm in my thirties, I'd 10, 15 years experience doing addiction therapy and all that type of stuff and street work and homeless stuff and all that. So did the interview, seemed to go well. Anyway, I didn't get it, right? One door, you know, closes, another one opens. It's good that, that I didn't get it because it sent me on a different path. However, the uh, my friend said to me, Ah, oh, Jimmy, I'm so disappointed. She says, You're not going to believe this. She said, They all loved you. Everybody wanted you. But the director said he misjudged the situation by not wearing a toy. I know. I know. I know. What have you got to do? There you go. Let's leave that right there. <laughs> just fucking mad. I'm sorry you're a nice guy. That was fucking insanity. Like, you know, and maybe I wasn't ready for the job. I don't know. I thought I'd have been fucking cracking at it, actually. Mm. I'd have learned so much, you know. But I went other, another path deeper into psychotherapy and other routes. So, you know, I also accept things are the way they're meant to be, even if they don't seem like that at the time. They are later. So, oh, just a shout out to uh, my beautiful friend Maggie down in Kerry Listow. She's actually in Cork now in hospital. She's okay. Um, I'm not sure she'll be getting home for the Christmas. When people say the Christmas, do they mean the day or the? I never know that either. I don't think she'll be home for the Christmas dinner. Anyway, but she doesn't really care about that. It's all important that she gets well and she's on the mend. And I will be visiting you, Maggie, just in case you happen to be listening to this. I think she does sometimes you and the crew um january 2nd i uh, don't know if niley's coming with me i think he might be working I hope he is if not i think you were saying 
Cheryl will drive me down. Cheryl, be down. And Cheryl Gonzalez, she was a, a rally driver or a whatever before, or go-kart driver champion. Fabulous person. But like, okay, I was a bit white last time. I went, like that's usually a three-hour, hour and a half, boom, there, to the stall. Anyway, I'll get a lift. And Cheryl lifts down there, but you know, comes up to Dublin quite a lot. So... That's the second Maggie. I will be down with you and G Wiz and John and all the crew. Go for a swim in the Atlantic out in Ballybunion. When I say swim, I'll get in. <laughs> you can't do much swimming. It's the wave. Hopefully, if the old chest and throat is okay. Righty ho. And uh, the beautiful Redzer, the little dominatrix. Um, what was it? <laughs> Mary C said recently on a voice note, she said, I can't wait to meet Radzer. I'm going to be so disappointed if I don't meet someone in fishnets with a whip with the whole gear on, <laughs> the little red dominatrix. Anyway, good news, some good news for Radzer. She wouldn't mind me saying. Um, some of the results that we're waiting for more have come back good well in, in medical positives not good you know the negative no no more cancer margins are clear you know in, in one area there's just another scan to be had the thoracic scan just to be sure they're not sure about that yet so you know let's stay on the side of positive and uh, yeah nice one reds are um, that's good stuff and I think she will certainly, she's always featuring, but she'll feature later on. Yeah, lots of still feedback around Mary C, coercive control. Looking forward to hearing Mary in the new year. She most certainly will be. As I said, that'll be a regular. And, you know, if everything goes right, Redza will be on as well as a guest, a regular guest. Um, Okay, that's them. Those little announcements because I forget to say stuff. Um. Okay. All right. Why have I got hit with a rhythm stick written? Yeah, I, I know. It's it's on the playlist. So Ian Jury and the Blockheads from 1977. I think it came out in 78. From the album New Boots and Panties. Great name for an album. Great album. In the punk era. But the difference for Ian Jury and the Blockheads, as opposed to, and the other stuff was great, the Sex Pistols and all them, the Damned. And whilst Ian Jury and the Blockheads had an edge, the Blockheads were all serious session musicians, like polished, great musicians. And Ian Jury was a little bit more subtle, like a clever, clever lyricist, you know, in the way he did things, you know. Um, Apparently, there the Blockheads were so sought after musicians. When Frankie goes to Hollywood, Frankie goes to Hollywood from Liverpool. We're doing relax. Yeah, take take it or leave it. Go for it. But the the chords are so difficult; it was so hard to get. They had to call on the Blockheads to play the instruments. So that's that's the quality you're dealing with with the Blockheads. Um, anyway, we all you all know if you don't you should know hit me with your rhythm sticks a great song and it's a classic non-creative non-sequitur because it's kind of about something but it isn't about something what's he saying what isn't he saying to me it's a very healing tune and again it has a bit of history i apologize you're going to get a lot of little history today back in but when i was eight, 17 i think yes yeah, 16 when this came out i was working i've mentioned many times my all my 
bunkers now are all painters and decorators so I'd be working for them or guys that they knew labouring or doing bits of painting or whatever and I was working on a site it was fucking cold winter and I remember working for a lovely guy called Willie I was labouring from he was stippling I was mixing up his stuff from and he was teaching me a bit about the stippling because it's a bit different than the I could I could roll no problem and everyone thinks it's easy there's a way to roll you learn it you know with the big handle and the roller and all that anyway um, what I remember would have been like uh, I had this really really cool kind of trilby soft trilby type hat because if you're doing at and overhead ceilings or stippling you get lashed out of it you know and I'd re- I'd hair then like I have hair now it's really tight I had long hair really long hair and it wasn't silver or grey it was brown it was long like down past my shoulders so I had this cool trilby on and another thing I was tying my hair back back then before it became popular for guys to do that but I was doing it practically you know and I used to get slagging off all the other guys on the side. Ooh, go on, Mary. Love your plait or your ponytail. Or I used to get someone to plait it. It was quite daring to do at that time, by the way. Anyway, I digress. So I'm on the site and it's it's great. You don't have to cover stuff. You can just go at the work. And we had an old battered radio on the mantelpiece in the living room, wherever, or the kitchen, wherever we were working. And we're working away. And this song was out then and it came on. So I have this abiding memory of, you know, hit me with your rhythm stick. Two fat persons, click, click, click. And he kind of, uh, think it's, he doesn't even sing. He's like Lou Reed. He kind of talks his lyrics, doesn't he? And that kind of Essex accent, you know what I mean? Um, nice to be a lunatic. Hit me, hit me, hit me. And again, it's got a bit of force in it, but it's not quite violent. It's a little bit naughty, but it's, a, it's great. Uh, musically, it's wonderful, you know. Um was it in the deserts of Japan and something in Milan? Eskimos, seldom go. We've got these real weird lyrics, you know. Uh, hit me slowly, hit me quick. Nice to be a lunatic. Hit me. Anyway, I think that's a really healing song. I have a lovely memories of that from that time. And I was putting on the kettle which back at that time used to be a big silver kettle, but it's black because you had to make it on the open fire with the shavings from the carpentry. I've told, said that before. The carpenters leave shavings, you light the fire, you make a big pot of tea. Lovely big thick tea, right? So as I'm putting on the tea, I was, I was, imagine I was saying to myself, hmm, back at that time, imagine if 40 or 50 years from now, say 2023, I'd be talking about this on a podcast. How interesting would that be? And as I was pouring out the tear, I said to myself, what's a podcast? <laughs> and then I thought, I'll Google it later on. As I was sipping my tea, I thought, what's Google? <laughs> it's funny. You know information that, you know what I mean? So it was just a funny thought within a thought. Then I thought, what's a thought? I'm going to come back to what's a thought, right? That's a bit of a mind bender. Um, so that's Ian Jury and the Blockheads hit me with a rhythm stick. Mm. And on the radio is often they don't play the songs fully to the end and what you miss at the end of that song is there's a fantastic guitar break i used to hate it on the radio i knew it was there and then they, you know you'd be waiting here comes the guitar break oh that was the injury on the blockheads yeah can't. <laughs> so, so i love listening to it now myself because it's so good uh, musically it's excellent great album actually new boots and, and panties um by the main man the late great ian jury okay the true measure of a leader is not how many you beat down, but how many you lift up. Fair enough. We'll all accept that. 
Again, this is an important part of healing recovery. That's the attitude we want. Trump constantly beats people down. He attacks, destroys, abuses, you know, uh, with, with awfulness and that kind of uh, stochastic terrorism, okay, right? And it's anyone, as I said earlier on, that's not queuing up to kind of, or clamoring to kiss his awful ass. That's, you just have to, you know, you know, and as I said many times, he doesn't give a fuck about those people who adore him. Doesn't want to be out to do with them, hates them, hates where they come from. He wants to aspire to something else. But they keep throwing him the money and kissing his ass, so off you go. Trump, on the other hand, is so lacking in substance and integrity, right? He's such a coward that he's never far away from crawling up some world leader, dictator's authoritarian, fascist arsehole. There's two meanings there, isn't there? You know, he, he's crawling up the, the fascist arsehole of a fascist arsehole, yeah, and that's, that's the people he loves, right? And he wants to shit on the people that are all over him. And you just want to say to them, stop, can you not say? Forget about politics. He's just an awful cunt. He doesn't like you. He's taking your money. He's taking your dignity. He will throw you under many buses in a heartbeat. Everyone that works around him gets sacked for the same reason because they kind of go, hmm, maybe it's this way. Bang, off you go. You know. So again, Trump and the MAGA movement typify the whole DT, the dark tetrad, the whole coercive control vibe. They typify it in the way they operate. Right. Paul Lynch, I knew we'd come back to Paul, uh, came out with this fantastic phrase, and I said, is that yours, Paul? And he's very humble. He's, oh, I, I think so, he said, you know. And at the time, he was referring to, um, in, in the world of addiction treatment, now addiction centres, day programmes, the kind of clientele's changing somewhat. Your old school opiate addict, straightforward, they're still there, but there's much more coke, alcohol now, you know, and crack goes with heroin. Weird, isn't it? I've said this before. There's a mad kind of hierarchy there, right? So the coke addicts and the algies look down on the crackheads, but you're saying to the coke people, but crack is coke, you fucking eat. It's the same, you know. But they don't see themselves as them anyway. So I'm not saying every uh, coke alcohol addict, so to speak, they're, they're all addicts and they all mix together really, but those that identify themselves with that particular drug are like this. But Paul was describing, he was anticipating when he had a couple of uh, kind of coke alcohol identified people in with a couple of opiate people, opiate addicts. In the, in the, he was saying, I was anticipating what he called the subliminal sneer. What a fantastic term um, in terms of how they look down on, you know, the subliminal sneer. So I want to uh, borrow that from Paul to, I bet you every person you've ever, who's ever abused you has the subliminal sneer, don't they? Narcissists have it, you know, the deep dark tetrad people, uh, there's always that superior, superficial vibe that kind of looking down on you all the time. And it's just there below the surface. Just that's, there's nothing worse than a sneer. I would take someone just saying, I hate you, pox. But that's, ooh, Jesus. Anyway, thank you, Paul Lynch, for that and for, for the song you gave me earlier on. 
Why do I have Gishgallop written? Gishgallop. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gishgallop is a term. You know, these funny terms you come across, which is a style of debating or discussing. And it's a it's a it's a it's a technique um, the DT people use all the time. And it's where they just give you loads of kind of not quite word salad but too many pieces of information that, that are meaningless. And you kind of go, what? Yeah. They just throw a lot of shit at you. That's the gish gallop, you know, and it gallops at you. Uh, and it's like Trump does it all the time. You know, it just talks a lot of shite. You know, it's like, it's very hard to argue against. So that the trick is you just take one thing and you stick with it. That's too good. And they'll want to go, but what about this? And bum, 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 And that's where you often feel gaslit by people when they start and you can't, what, what did you, where? I don't like this game. You know, kind of thing. That's the gish gallop. Yeah. Yep, I mentioned that, didn't I? Yeah, poisoning the blood of our, our country. Direct Hitler quote. So there's a lot of Nazi rhetoric coming out of the far right. It ain't good. It's never good. And what's more disturbing is the amount of people that are kind of, oh, no, no, he doesn't mean that. The flying monkey. No, he didn't. He, he didn't mean a direct quote from Hitler. <laughs> you know, that's, and, and it's been known that he, uh, on his bedside table, that's one of Hitler's speeches is one of his books. I mean, is that not alarm bells for everybody? Right? So I'm, we know he's a, he's a dopey, dangerous cunt. That's fine. It's all the people who still, even the media, well, you know, they're a bit mild on him. It's like, imagine if that was anyone else. They'd be like, lock that gun up immediately. He's a threat to society. Him and those that kind of carry the water from and, and put out all the disinformation and try and say, no, 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 no. No, he didn't mean that. Ah, he's a bit raw, you know. Maybe, you know. So that's like when you're in your relationship or you're uh, with a, a, a coercive control DT type of person. And you're trying to describe to someone what they've done. The people are going, ah, look, you don't understand. Or, you know, ah, no, no. You've just been, like, horrifically abused by them. I'm sure they were just in a bad, I'm sorry you got me out. I'm sure they were like, ah, look, no, no, look, I know them. And they're, da 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 It's like, that's actually more wounding than what you got from the person. So be aware of that. Really, really important. Who you're with, who's around you, who you're talking to. Um, really, really important, right? The elephant in the living room, that surreal uh, phrase. I was in my room, my therapy room, and I have the book, The Elephant in the Living Room, and it caught my eye. As I mentioned before, it's a book designed for kids to teach them about living with addiction and alcoholism. And uh, I started to kind of, you know, daydream a bit about it, fantasize a bit about it. And I love you know, non sequiturs, creatively or surreal stuff. I find it so funny. And I began to develop on that and kind of go, what if you came down, uh, you heard noise downstairs and you came down and it, there wasn't an elephant in the living room, there was like a bear sitting or a badger <laughs> right, on your couch with their feet up, you know, drinking tea out of your mug, out of your teapot, with the telly on, with the remote kind of going, can you get Netflix on this? <laughs> You're kind of going, what? What, what, what? Who would you? What would you say? <gasps> That's a mind fucking a half, isn't it? Um, what would you do? Is that my teapot? Is there many? Is there another cup in it? We just. <laughs> I used to think that stuff as a kid. Not quite that, but I used to imagine uh, maybe it was to help you deal with the fear of something real happening. 
there was something surreal going on. Like I went down and there was a horse in the living room or something. I'd rather a horse than a mouse because you could see it. You know, where a mouse or a rat would like <laughs> would be would scare you because you could, you wouldn't know. It. And of course, you can you can read into the underlying symbology of that level of trauma where you're kind of like, you know. And it was a talking horse, of course. Hello, I don't know why you're talking like that. Hello, hello. How would a talking horse talk? Hello, hello. And I tell him I'm a scouse horse. Would that would it work? I don't know. But anyway, that's what I was thinking about. Kind of those surreal images of. Uh, and Eddie is I'm just brilliant at it using animals if you imagine them having kind of personalities which they do and voices and so yeah you're coming down you can see the blue of the telly on you're thinking oh I must let the telly on and there they are sitting there hello oh hello I wasn't expecting you now you know how would that conversation go um, and it reminds me of the the very great but very non-politically correct uh, uh, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore with Derek and Clive um, about the uh, the guys going down he says I just went down for a few drinks with my friends down the local club down the fucking club uh, everything was going great you know and my mate nudged me he says look there's your fucking wife she's being fucked by a gorilla and I turned around she fucking was being fucked by a gorilla his reaction was fucking what got me who do I turn to? Who do I, talk, who do I get in touch with? <laughs> so get the surreal nature. There's a big silverback humping the shit out of his wife, right? What does she say? It's not what you think. Um, and all he's thinking of is, who do I, what do I do now? What would you do, actually? <laughs> who do I get in touch with? So that's a, a very dark, humorous way of connecting with when something unspeakable is going on and the shock that you get. What, who do I... Who do I talk to about this? I think in the sketch he goes up and tells, you should see, he goes up to complain to the manager, the irate manager. <laughs> Excuse me. I come down here for a few drinks and I find this, like as if it's a normal thing in one way. Very, very funny. Anyway, so I'm, I'm capturing the surreal nature of trauma, a shock, and the surreal nature of humour and how that can also be healing and funny at the same time, you know, does that make sense? Um. So I wanted to also, again, from talking um, to Mary C during the week, we're having a few conversations via voice note, um, the clarity with the overlap with the kind of dark tetrad and the coercive control person. While the, the DT is like an umbrella for them all, right? And I'll remind you again, uh, the dark tetrad, which is four things, Machiavellianism, after Machiavelli, the Italian dude, right? And that's very manipulative. Manipulative is the big thing there. Sneaky, but ruthless, right? Very self-seeking. Narcissist, entitled, uh, superficial, gaslighty, brutal as well. Total self-centered. The psychopath, no empathy, but there's a different brain structure. And if you've heard any of my other uh, podcasts on the good psychopath, the, the psychopath isn't necessarily uh, dark, but if he or she is in this grouping with the other stuff, they're at least they're like run <laughs> the worst you could ever imagine because they'll just do it much more efficiently. Um, okay. And then the last one is sadism. So that's the cruelty, the kind of uh, viciousness, the 
they derive pleasure from the suffering of other human beings or other beings or animals. They're brutal. Like they literally want to cause you pain. It's not like when someone's being nasty and then they hurt you and they're going, to go, well, I didn't really want to hurt you, but fuck you. These want to and love it. And that's the outcome. And they, as I said before, they literally orgasm on it. It's, it's a pleasure for them. It's a bit uncomfortable, isn't it? I think that, but they, they're there. They are there. So not everyone in the dark tetra is always going to have that. You'll have people with variations of that. So the coercive control person will have elements of all those things. But as Mary and I were talking, she was saying, sometimes they, you know, they don't necessarily always lack um, uh, empathy, for example. And that's where it can get confusing because, you know, people can be nice and okay and type of thing, right? But as I say constantly, in one way, it, it doesn't matter what, whether we need to, that this, that this. We know how we feel and we know what we need to do. We know we know it's not what we want, right? Where it might matter, and this might be important uh, from Mary C's perspective, from a legal perspective, because coercive control is is uh, an offence. It can be tried and so forth. In terms of interpreting that and understanding that might need, you know, legal and or psychiatric evaluation on that. That's it. If there's a core process going on, it just takes on a slightly different meaning. But for our conversation, where under the dark tetrad umbrella, anybody that has any of those traits, when you feel, um, and again, not just on a once-off, but even a once-off is not okay either, unsafe, not okay to be yourself, shrunk in size, scared, ashamed, uncomfortable, you're not growing as a human being in the company of, then you know there's your flag straight away if you feel that. there. It's again, it's a choice thing. Uh, they're not people or groups you want to be around um, in that sense. And if you're entangled in them, we know we can be. It can take a while to get out or, and then heal or stay in and heal. That can happen too because as I said, it might be kids and everything tied into it or mortgages and all kinds of stuff. And there's there's the principles I'm talking about can still be practiced. We've got to be creative. Use lots of radical acceptance here, you know. Okay. So what matters for this podcast is is kind of, I suppose, how we recover and we heal. Set ourselves free, you know, from any kind of prolonged abuse. Is that okay? So I'm interested in how to grow, how to develop, how to expand our consciousness to explore more kind of like meaningful, fulfilling relationships, groups, activities, etc. You know, it's it's all there for the taking. In a good, being positive, it really is. I know it's. I do know it's hard work to recover from uh, abuse. It really is. It takes time, and it can feel hopeless at days. And that's all part of the process, as you say. You know. Um. Okay. So, hang on, I just want to clean my glasses. I had a couple of things jotted down and I'm not able to read them clearly. And I don't think my eyes are going. Hang on. Okay. So, the song Bob Dylan's Subterranean, Subterranean Homesick Blues. What a great title. I probably, and I often will use a song again a few times if it's appropriate. There's something in that song, uh, and again, Dylan's songwriting style is so, whew, he's a poet, you know, he's got these streams of consciousness in these lines, this 
creative non sequiturs. There's something in that song. It's just a great tune. Mom is in the basement mixing up medicine. They flies Lieutenant. Look out, kid. Man, what you did. Uh, it's just great musical changes and it's really kind of catchy. But it's almost like, even though he's not directly saying, because the lyrics are so surreal, watch out for the dark tetrads. I take it from that. It's a bit of a cautious, you know, cautionary tale, you know. Watch out, kid, you know. Watch out, kind of thing, right? From 1965, from the album Bringing It All Back Home. Okay, and I can't read that properly. I've jotted down some lyrics. There's loads of lyrics in it, but I just picked out this. Oh, get born, keep warm, short pants, romance, learn to chance, get dressed, get blessed, try to be a success, please her, please him, buy gifts, don't steal, don't live. 20 years of schooling and you got the day shift. Look out, kid, they keep it all hid. Better jump down a manhole, light a candle, don't wear sandals, try and avoid scandals. Don't want to be a bum, you better chew gum. The pump don't work because the vandals took the handles. That's all in one big line. It's fucking great. And I tell you what's really extraordinary. Listen to the song. It's just very joyful, very f fun to listen to. The uh, young Glenn Hansford, when he was young, at age 14, and I've spoken about this before when he used to visit me regularly or stay with me regularly because he lived literally a block away and then when he moved from the block he was only five minutes away in Sandy, no no, Slow Gardens and he'd play all the Bob Dylan songs. He had this mad habit, he'd come in, knock on the door, he'd come in with the guitar, open it out and, he empty, and I, he'd have all these twixes and he'd empty them out on the table and that was his kind of way of saying look I'm contributing something to the household. <laughs> Loads of sweets and we'd sit there drinking tea, fucking eating Mars bars while he played these Dylan songs. But he played Subterranean, he introduced me to Subterranean Homesick Blues. I mean I remember, I remember hearing it but really, really, really every, he remembered every line and if you listen to that song through it's, you know, all that stream of consciousness lines he'd remember. Played it brilliantly, sounded like Dylan, better in my opinion. Um, and again, just that strange, how does a 14-year-old do that? 14-year-old in Ballymore, well, regardless of where you're from, it just had an extra surreal. We're sitting in slow grow flats. There's murder going on around us. Drug dealing, sirens, fucking life, right? And this kid is sitting here singing subterranean homesick blues. 1984. Fucking amazing, isn't it? I always get, uh, most of Dylan's stuff, even though it can be, some of it can be a little dark sometimes, I get lifted, but I get a great lift out of subterranean homesick blues. I think that's all I was saying about that song. Oh, get sick, get sick. Look out, I love that. Look out, kid. No matter what you did. God knows when, but you're doing it again. You gotta Anyway, okay. What is a thought? I'm going to sort that out in one podcast now. Philosophers, psychiatrists, psychologists, anthropologists, medics, everyone has been wondering, what is a thought? Now, you'll hear scientists say stuff around, and there's obviously truth in it, kind of, they'll talk about um, electrical impulses in the brain, they'll look at it from a neurological perspective, maybe chemicals, yeah, yeah, and that's, no, well, I'm not saying that that isn't in, in action. Mechanical processes doesn't capture it. There's something mysterious about a thought. What have you ever thought? What is a thought? As you're thinking a thought, what is that? You know, 
Um, and a, a question I've asked, or something, or something I'm interested in, is I think in pictures, right? I assume everybody does, and I'm told they don't. But what if you're not? There's not a when you think Bob Dylan. I can see Bob Dylan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or, or I can see an image, or I can see Glenn Hansard. I can see. Maybe it's just association. I don't know. Does that come before the thought, or is that the thought? You know, I love that. I spent, you know, days, you know, even back in the day of, of using chemicals, I wasn't a big fucking hash smoker. Hash was the thing. I, I would have partaken, of course, got like the whole hippie vibe, having those conversations. Yeah, what was the thought, man? You know what I mean? As Pink Floyd and Neil Young and Leonard Cohen and all those tunes were playing, or Bob Dylan would be playing uh, in the background. What is a thought, you know? I remember always having this other thought that uh, maybe it's more than possible that I'm having a dream and it's 1961 and I'm that beautiful little baby in the pram in Donny Kearney and Fluffy the dog who I didn't mention who was a lovely kind of sheepdoggy mongrel vibe would be sitting you know the little this would be the old big silver cross or pedigree prams back good sturdy ones back in the early 60s and they had a kind of a basket underneath he'd sit under there minding me and if anyone if anyone it's a kind of a lovely feeling of being protected that isn't it you know Shout out to Fluffy's, whatever. I hope he's having a great time wherever he is. But so maybe I'm there. This is all a dream. It's interesting. Anyway, I'll crack on. I'll leave you with that. I'll leave you with that thought. What is a thought? If you put, you be coursing me tonight. Fuck you, Jimmy. You're wrecking me head thinking what's a thought. But what is a thought? Mm. And they pass and they return. What is it? The wonderful, brilliant Lenny Kravitz, extremely talented, from the film I mentioned quite recently, Rustin, which is a gorgeous film about the civil rights movement, and Lenny Kravitz's family were involved in that. He wrote one of the tracks in it called Road to Freedom, and this captures again, one, the fight, not the violent fight, against oppression, against MAGA against violence and right-wing shite and all that stuff and abusing people and hurting people uh, and and what we want to kind of be in our consciousness if we're going to heal and we again you'll hear me talk and I'll be talking more about the people you have around you are hugely important so that's relevant to this song as well right it's a lovely lovely tune very bluesy I have it on a playlist it's called We Are Here to Make the Dream Come True and together that's what we'll do. We are here, we will change the time, step by step, standing side by side, really important. We're on the road to freedom until the war is won. We're on the road to freedom. And if you're broken, I will carry you. When I'm weary, you will see me through. So there's that connection with people who you can trust, and I mean really trust, they're not going to drop you, you know, hugely important. Quote Reds are here when we uh, talk about kind of connection and trust and real friendship. One of her, I don't know if it's, I think it's hers or she got her from a film, I don't know, but uh, I associate it with her. Uh, who do you call to a pre, who do you ring at three in the morning when you're in a hotel room with a dead hooker? <laughs> 
Now, the word hooker is a bit controversial, which leads me into another conversation. Uh, another wonderful friend and colleague, uh, the enigmatic D.O. Keefe, right? We were having tea recently in, I think we were in my room or her room in the therapy centre, having tea, chatting about the work and all that. And that came up. Uh, and she said, see that term sex worker, you know, that PC term. Now, she's got a problem with it and I think she's right. It's very sanitized, isn't it? She says it's it's not a profession that way. It's not like there's a, a union and it's all clean. It sanitizes it, you know, and, and you get your punched in and punched out. You don't get looked after. Now, I know some uh, places look after the, their women or men better than others and so forth. But it's, it's she's got a point. It kind of sanitizes it, doesn't it? You know, I suppose the prostitute hooker, you know, whether it's male or female. Interesting term. But anyway, who do you call at 3 a.m. in the morning if you happen to find you in a hotel room with a dead sex worker or hooker or a dead anybody? Who's the friend you're calling? You know, that's that's the measure, isn't it, of, you know? Yeah, and, and although it's symbolic, I hope you never find yourself in that situation, but it, it's at that level, who do you really, who's got your back? But you can trust it. You don't have to kind of go, is he or she going to, he or she going to, be able to be in the adult space there and kind of do what need, needs to be done, you know, kind of thing. And I hope you have people like that. I have people like that. Uh, and I hope I'm that for them and I hope you're that for them. Anyway, that's the brilliant Lenny Kravitz. And again, if you haven't seen the film, Rustin, that kind of thing may not interest you, but it's a wonderful story of his life in the civil rights movement. Not Lenny Kravitz's life, uh, Rustin. Okay, where am I going next? Yes, um, yeah, kind of, yeah, I'm just reading your name and so on, the qualities. I suppose, yeah, what I wanted to do was like, again, put side by side or mirror whatever that crew I talk about, the, your soul crew, if I can call it that term. Although the Cardiff City, you know the way in, in over in England and Wales and Scotland that they have... I know from following football, each team has their supporters and their supporters are great, but each, there's a section of them are the ones that are the kind of, the hooligans, and they have names like the Chelsea Headhunters and the the, the Millwall F Troop and the uh, Cardiff City or the Soul Crew. That's why I'm talking about the Soul Crew. And they, what they're saying about the Liverpool. Liverpool don't have the hooligans. They'll just rob you. <laughs> just be wary of them. All right, mate. Come on, sit down there. All right, give me that. Kind of thing. So, um, but anyway, the Soul Crew, the people you have around you who you can trust. Because as I said, when you've got a lot of flying monkeys around and it's interfamilial people and maybe there's friends of friends, you know, and you've been ghastly or hurt by someone or abused by somebody, um, who you think may be on your side may not be on your side. I don't mean to be too, you know, Mary C spoke about that, you know, just, or they may think they're, they may be meaning well trying to defend someone's behaviour. So just take a close look at that and with, in, with your feet on the ground calmly, not like, oh, you know, you usually find you'll have a, a a close circle. I have. Most people have that. That that come into the category that I know. No, they'll call me out and stuff. It's not like this all softly stuff, but they'll do it with love and kindness and I know where they come from. I don't know they're they're adult and kind of trustworthy and kinda of 
that's crucial. I think that f to get that foundation, if you like, we can call it that, that you, we always need anyway, but particularly if you've been gaslit and hurt and abused and dehumanized by someone quite a bit, you need, that trust needs to be, that's why you, you have to have someone in their adult space, you know. Now we can all get triggered into a younger space, but it's the ability to recognize that and kind of go, you know, in a playful way, but sometimes it can be in a painful way or a fearful way. But I usually know when that's happening. I'm, if I'm not on it on the moment, I will get to it and kind of go, look, I think I reacted from a younger place there. What I really mean is that, 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 right? And that, that can be an ongoing thing. But once someone's willing to do that, it's, it's a certain mindset, I think. Um, so you're looking for solid, reliable, genuine, strong, kind, loving, playful, joyful you're looking for that integrity the truth someone that's in your corner to stick with you and are you know are passionate about loving and supporting you so what i want to reflect to you is i want you to look for those in the people around you but i want you to look for that in yourself that you'll offer that to someone but you'll offer those things to yourself and that's a lovely combination you know are you solid reliable genuine strong kind loving da -da 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 -da, right are you adult trustworthy can you look yourself in the eye and kind of go, I'm really doing my best here, you know? Okay, so the adult trustworthy person, they're able to kind of manage and regulate their feelings. As I said, they, we can all get triggered, that's fine. But the ability to kind of be able to go and come back and kind of go, do you know what, I was thinking about that or what you said. And yeah, actually I got I fucked that up a bit, didn't I? I'm sorry. Yeah. And they can do that quite quickly. You know, you don't want you don't want someone lingering on. Then they're all right, but they're not really for you. You need someone who's can because you'll do it for them. Who'll cut through that shit quite quickly and kind of go right. What's important here? What's important? So you need someone who can manage and regulate their feelings, or who can critically think. And as I said, the whole uh, DT group and the kind of MAGA movement—they've no critical thinking skills. Or all the ones I see interviewed or talked to don't have. And if you did, you wouldn't be in a, you know, no media savvy, no ability to understand things realistically, you know. You want someone who would walk through fire for you or with you. I know it's quite passionate, but that's what I believe. That foundation is totally secure. So if you have two or three, you know, we, we all have lots of friends and associates who are good. They mightn't fit all of that, but they'd be good enough. That's fine. I'm not saying I can be that for everyone, but we know our core crew. That's what they are, right? Walk through fire for you or with you. The foundation is totally secure. You never have to worry about that because you know then, even if there's a problem, and there's always problems, you're not going to fear you're going to get gaslit or fucked around. It's going to be a clear conversation and you know the other person's coming from a good place even if they get it wrong. Do you know? That's 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 what's important. Um. So you never need to worry about the friendship connection because you know that's solid. There's an open dialogue. You know, there's a, a commitment to love and kindness. That's the number one thing. You know, absolute trust. Yeah. Okay. Uh, take responsibility. This word is to be responsible. And we know you break it down. It's the ability to respond to ourselves, to own our own thoughts, feelings, perceptions, you know, to open. Be open to change without compromising your core, genuine self, of course. You get me? You know, kind of grounded, critical thinking. What would a podcast be without Ricky Lee Jones? 
Funny, this is episode 69, 1979's coming up quite a bit of that era. And from that time, um, Rick Healy Jones, and she was my second major crush as a kind of a teenager, if you like. I was 18 when, when this album came out. Um, and prior to that, it, it would have been still Stevie Nicks, because I was like 14, 15, 16 when Rumours came out. 14, maybe 15. But this fucking album came out called Ricky Lee Jones it was a breakthrough album right 1979 and the cover of it she's got this she looks absolutely such a cool cool dudette right she's got this beret red beret tilted sideways she kind of has a, a very foxy sexy look she's got the cigarette this little slim cigarette in her hand she just looks fucking fabulous right and of course her musical ability, her intelligence, her passion, her creativity, back that up. And I, that, that, that's just an irresistible quality for me, you know. So I'm 18 and I'm dizzy, intoxicated by Ricky Lee Jones, as you would be that age. But anyway, as I got older, I grew to really appreciate more and more and more her, her music and her uh, brilliant poetic songwriting style, stream of consciousness style. Uh, she's kind of like a female John Martin. She has a kind of a slur on her voice sometimes and rolls things in together. She's got that non-sequitur creative style of writing, you know. Anyway, so that if you don't know that album, I would suggest it's just called Ricky Lee Jones. It's a wonderful album in and of itself. But I've got a quite a strong association with all the tracks, but this particular track called Youngblood. Um, and I've mentioned Carol Bam Bam Tyler. And if you mention her again, then our husband, Jason, J.O. J.O. Carroll. Um, but this, it reminds you when Carol was born, she was born in 1979. And I, we were living in the inner city, quite near where Betty lives, actually around Dublin One area, Garden Street area. And um, yeah, so also it was kind of a symbolic time because I was just on the turn then from like kind of meaningless living, very painful chemicals. Thank God heroin wasn't available like it became. This was 1979. I think only rock stars could get it then, you know. It wasn't there. If it was there, I wouldn't be here. That's a fact. You know, I'd, I'd be dead without a shadow of a doubt. I was looking for that type of, you know, hit. That was, I wanted unconsciousness. So I was dabbling with uh, Benlin and codeine, that type of thing, alcohol a bit, but alcohol, as I said before, didn't like the taste of it. It made me sick, but I still took it to get the effect, right? So I was turning from that. You know, it was kind of a, a bittersweet time. It was a painful time, but nice time. And there were people around who were in recovery. So if I'm 17, 18, 18, few years older and then mid-twenties which was still quite young for recovery back in them days because you didn't get young people in recovery who were looking very attractive to me guitar playing poets and fucking really interesting people you know when you're that age and people are older than you they showed interest in me so literally that lovely uh, tradition you'll see in all the fellowships a public promotions policy is based on attraction not promotion they literally made recovery attractive and I went I'm on that one. <laughs> Literally, I was like, bye. Now, you could argue if I was further into kind of very, uh, I didn't have any withdrawals or anything like that, you know, that might not have been as easy. So I think I had it easy compared to what many thousands of people have had to come through to find a recovery path. So I acknowledge that. But it, it, it was literally something that became more meaningful and interesting. And 
it, it just kind of fizzled out the kind of chemical thing i kind of missed it a bit but it fizzled out you know dabble a bit of blow a bit of bit of ash because again it's like the hippie vibe you know just lingered a little bit but boom i was way into this way of life and this communication, this honesty, and these books that they were having and they were reading, and it's fucking great the games people play, Jonathan Davidson, all this type of stuff was hanging around, and these late night conversations, smoking and drinking tea forever. I loved it, playing chess. Started to play chess again, I love it, and guitars, and I was in heaven. So this was all around that era, 1979, 1980, we moved to Ballymun. Um, from there and, and you know that, that all continued in a way and and if I wasn't for that I wouldn't have met the amazing Glenn Hansard and had lots of other and brilliant other guy and Huey Greaves and all the great friends I've developed through that you know that have been for life so it's you know and God if I told you the sequence of events that led to getting a flat in Valley Mon well I tell you a little bit it was unbelievable right talk about you know if you ever doubt it's raw higher power in your corner working, you, you couldn't make this stuff up, right? So I'm going into Garden Street, uh, Dole Office, living in the garden, going into Garden Street, Dole Office. I could have been out my ma's in Kilbarrick at the time. She was in Kilbarrick just before she moved to Coolock, and then she moved into town. So we're always all moving around, you know, that type of stuff. And I'm going into the Dole Office, and when I finished, I went into, I bought a pack of tobacco and 10 major, little treat. And I went into, in Marlborough Street, Graham O'Sullivan's uh, little cafe that was there. It's gone now for a tea or a coffee. I think I drank coffee a bit then, but it was giving me headaches, but I liked it still. And to have it, you could smoke then, have a smoke. And uh, June was behind the counter. And I said, ah, geez, she's from Edenmore. And I said, ah, geez, I love June. She's Michael's coming in in a minute, her partner. And Michael come in. And I said, ah, geez, how are you? Michael, I knew Michael from Kilbarrick. And blah, blah, blah. Just chit-chatting. He says, where are you at? What are you doing? He says, ah, oh, we're here and there and everywhere, you know, blah, 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 blah. He says, why don't you come up to Ballymun? He says, there's flats of everyone's squatting. So this is the early 80s and everyone did squat then. It was like a ghost town. So thanks to June and Michael, thank you. We went, we stayed with them and then we, I squatted into a place, got it. And then, you know, you, you did the business and you, yeah, you got your flat, you know. So from, me just going to the Dole, going into that particular cafe. June just happened to be on her shift, talking to her. She says, wait around, Michael's coming in. He'd love to say hello to you, you know. He came in, bum, bum, bum. Yeah, take a chance on that. And up we went and here we are. I love those, and there's much more to those stories, of course. You know, I love that when that happens. Um, so 1979, Ricky Lee Jones. Yeah, I went off the track there, Youngblood. And Carol, yes, Carol Tyler. Carol Tyler, Carol now, her name is, her marriage name is Carol, Carol Carol, um, was born then. So she's very symbolic, beautiful baby, lovely kid, great child, has grown up into a fantastic woman, loved her, was with her quite a lot throughout her childhood. Great, great kid, uh, lovely young woman, great teenager, but a, a fantastic adult woman. Um, and our lovely husband, Jason, and, and their gang in Michigan, they're in America now, living. From Salog to Michigan, to Detroit. Um, so it was almost like, now you can't put your life changes or recovery or whatever you want to call it on one person or a little child. But she became like, oh, I want to be, I, I was loving the attraction to this good way of life. But I also want to be another male in her life that can be solid and good. That was another motivation. 
and hopefully I have been that, you know, and there have been others as well too. So when all the kind of irresponsible stuff dropped away, I started to look at more work and maybe get interested in the work I do now, or I started to do voluntary work and connect into meaning and, you know, and Carol, uh, we were living in Ballymun and she was growing, and it was great. You know, there were hard times and difficult times, but she's so she's symbolic of that time, my last encounter with that life, unpleasant lifestyle, lonely, painful lifestyle was 1979 into 1980. So this song, Young Blood, right, is kind of all about the city and walking. And I used to, when we were living in Dublin one then, at that time, listening to that album, uh, it was it was vinyl then, of course wander the city a little bit at night if I was a bit restless have a smoke see who was hanging around you know that kind of thing down to the Cosmo and O'Connell Street that was a a, a a snooker hall I couldn't play snooker for the life of me but I loved watching it you could go in down. it was open 24 hours and you'd meet all the strays and the waifs and stuff and you just there's always something going on you know and I remember feeling really really good and starting to make that nice turn and change and just wandering and from where we lived down to O'Connell Street it wasn't very very far uh, so the song Young Blood, right? It says, find a block where your people can find you. Keep a third eye watching behind you. Love that. You never know when you're making a memory. You know, they wish that you were here together again someday. And then the chorus is, they say, the city will make you dirty, but you look all right. You feel real pretty when she's holding you tight. City will make you mean, but the makeup on your face. Love will wash you clean in the night's disgrace. Fucking what great lyrics, right? Uh, it's just the night disgrace of the city because it's a bit seedy at that time of night, but like love will wash you clean when you meet lovely people, you know, and you get that lovely squeeze or hold from someone, you know. Super bass, guitar, drums, Ricky's kind of sexy, sultry kind of poetic slurry voice with those lyrics running into each other you know absolutely haven't I think you know I like it uh, apart from the actual symbology of it because it makes me feel very free very happy hopeful possibility and that song fills me full of that so um, the actual album is brilliant that song is brilliant and it really reminds me again of a taking another step into recovery into freedom into it's going to be okay isn't that what we really want to know? I know it's such a cliche, but I want you to hear if you're struggling, it's going to be okay. You will be, you can be okay. I promise you. We've all been in dark and dirty places, but it's going to be okay. You know, and hopeless places and it feels there's no way out. Yeah. Okay. So it's so important. So you've got connection there, kind of, I love that inter, that kind of arc within an arc of Carol, her birth, recovery around the corner, just there, Ricky Lee Jones, that album, uh, change, you know, Ballymon coming into play, 80, on to me, Glenn in 83, 84, and lots of growth and lots of arcs within arcs everywhere, you know. So 1979 was an important year for me, indeed. I feel a bit nostalgic now because, yes, Carol and Jason. Carol was back, they live in America. Jason's American, they're from Michigan. And 
they were back for the Christmas because Carol and Betty and Betty's kind of like a, 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 a nanny to Carol her, her other beautiful nanny Kathleen passed away many years ago and we miss her terribly uh, but that's the way Carol's accepted into our family you know and they share a birthday a day or two after each other so Carol was in Betty Blue was there we were hanging out together yesterday actually it was um, it was lovely to see them as I said she's grown up to be a fabulous woman uh, and she's got a lovely partner husband in jail and yeah I think are they gone back maybe Thursday they're going back but uh, it's lovely to come full circle and see that you know and she knows I'm doing the podcast and she actually told me a joke about Trump and I'm going to, and so did Jay told me another one, so I must remember to pop that in at some point. Um, there's a band, I'm going to say there was, I don't know if they're still going, there is a band called Gomez, but their kind of breakaway album, doing breakaway albums today was called Bring It On in 1998. And I had the pleasure of being in London visiting my dear friend and colleague Fiona and our lovely partner Oliver, they were living in London at the time, they're in Oz now, Oliver's from Australia. And I was in their apartment in London and someone they knew knew this band, Gomez, and no one knew them yet, you know. So they introduced me to this album back before it became well known. And it's a fucking brilliant album, right? And the song I want to focus on, I love them all, is called Free to Run because it's got the emblem of, the, of freedom in it again. Um, and if you, you know, Gomez, the, the, there's a couple of singers and there's a real husky singer and there's a deep singer, great, great musicians. And back then they were, what was unique, they were so young, they were, but they were singing like these aged blues singers, right? Brilliant. And the song is free to run and it says, I'm free to run, I walk slowly along. I'm everyone, I walk slowly along, I walk slowly along. I've been walking for too long, I drag my feet like everyone. Always wanted to run away, but walk slowly along. I feel so tired. I want to sit here for a while. I can see it in your smile. Now, I've, I've marked that. I can see it in your smile. Yes, that surface level, there's something in a smile, but there's something very healing about a deep smile. When we see something, when someone's smile can just set us free in a moment. It's just wonderful. And it says, come and sit here and hold for a while. I'm free to run, free to run. So again, it's that freedom to run, not not necessarily, yep, we might need to run in, to get away from someone, literally or psychologically, but just when you open out and start running, it's a beautiful thing. You know, like a child would do, just to flip back to to Carol, uh, in, we were in Ballymoan, so she was about three, four, so it was about 83, maybe 82, 83, 84. And anyway, geographically, when the flats were there, we were living in Salog. So when you come out the front of Salog, directly opposite you is Sandy Hill Gardens. Over to the left is uh, Poppentry Park and Poppentry, up that way, right? So back in them, and Holy Spirit is directly across you, Holy Spirit Church and Holy Spirit School. Back in that time, and there was a big kind of hill, kind of a grassy mound, and you could cut through to the back past Joseph Plunkett Tower to the shopping centre round by uh, Holy Spirit School, round the railings, right? So when you come out of our block, to the left would have been Glenn's block, and then down to the right would have been five minutes away, uh, Slow Gardens, where he moved to. So it's all close proximity. Anyway, we were, I was taking Carol over to the shops. It was a lovely spring morning, and 
she wanted to go that way because she loved running up the hill as a little three or four year old it was great so we crossed the road up the hill she went and she just took off not in like running away from me there was it was safe and you know that free to run when you watch a kid do that it's just a beautiful sight whoosh she was gone she just ran you know i was able to keep your eye on her and catch her and stuff like that just a spontaneous run you know that's what we're after inside ourselves isn't it the freedom to run you know so i say be yourself like embrace who you are you know and i know I know when you're abused by the, the DT crew, as we'll call them, it can seriously fuck with your sense of who you are. I know that. You know, however, no matter how prolonged that uh, insidious and brutal that abuse is, they cannot, and I repeat, they cannot eradicate who you really are. That, that bit, no matter how much you feel crushed, your sense of self feels, it's never gone, right? They can't change who you were born to be. That's your God-given right. Nobody can deny your soul. They can beat you, batter you, gaslight you, abuse you, which is horrific, I know. But it takes time, step by step, to heal and recreate or reinvent yourself so you can be your real self, right? Your soul was always there throughout it all. You know, you can hear it, you can feel it on the wind, you can smell it in the sweet scent of autumn or spring. You can hear it in the music. Uh, you can see it reflected back to you through the smiling, loving eyes of your soul crew or your friends, lovers, connections. How sweet is that? Mm. It's always there. So never give up. Don't give up. Paradoxically, we need to let go and surrender so we can be strong and then not give up. Right. You know, with time and patience and much dancing and moving and stillness and laughing and loving and shouting and sobbing and laughing again and smiling and breathing and reassessing and taking a deep breath and kind of going, okay, another day. You grow more and more confident about being yourself and how, I suppose, significant your soul is. What a sight to behold when that shines, huh? see that in someone else it's just magical day by day step by step breath by breath you'll get there but there's no getting there it continues isn't it? that's the beauty it continues we continue to grow and evolve back to Mr. Orange con Trump truth truthfulness is incompatible with Trumpism and the MAGA cult and this is the same with the dark tetrad. That's that will always sniff it out. They're allergic to truthfulness. It's like kind of like, you know, when a vampire comes into the light, oh, you know, or fuck a bit of garlic at them, or throw them across. You know, the truth. You they get they bristle at it. You know, real truth. The maga folk suck. You know, they suck. They do suck. They supplement the lies with rage. Do you know that 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 rage merges with the lie. So you get the, the familiar fake outrage they often show, you know. They're kind of weak victims with that sickening victim mentality. You know the one. You know what I'm talking about. While they persecute and abuse people all around them. Especially people that call out their bullshit. That's, that's the one. They, you're a target. They attack you when you do that. Um, whereas if regular people are called out, we kind of go, all right. That may be true, that may be, I'll have a look at it, but you know, you don't have to go and attack them, you know, or set up a war against them, you know. Um, 
So I suppose, yeah, fucking sick in it. I suppose it all mirrors the DT relationship and the family, that type of, so the same kind of stuff goes on, as I've said, the mirror is always there. Another incurable ugly disease is far-right populism. Someone said that in 2016, just as Trump got into power and has been scarred by a persistent contagion, the resurgence of far-right populism. That just means they pretend to appeal to the ordinary people. Like, I'm one of you. Trump pretends he's one of them. They all fall into, oh yeah, he's one of us. He's fucking never worked a day in his life. He came into fucking millions from his dad. Was a terrible businessman. You know, the, who, the guy who wrote The Art of the Day with him regrets it now, but the guy, he didn't write all that, the other guy did. Like, aligning himself with such a moron, you know? Um, terrible businessman. I mean, he, he ran, apparently, if, if, if you have loads of money and you buy into casinos, you're guaranteed to make money. They all fucking went bankrupt. He lost money on casinos. He's terrible at business, right? Um, yeah, but he's pretending I'm one of you. As I said, he has contempt for all those people that go to the rallies, you know. And again, there's a great guy, a comedian called Jordan Klepper, and he's very classy, very gracious, and he interviews some of the Trump heads at the, the rallies. And it's it's almost painful, cringy, because you can see they can hardly string a sentence together, They've, you know. So one of them is wearing this T-shirt of Trump's mugshot, right? on the day when Trump had to surrender himself to, to the, the, the police, to the courts. And the T-shirt says, no surrender. <laughs> and Clapper tries to point out to him, can you see the kind of discrepancy there? We'll have Donald Trump, he's our hero. <laughs> they just, there's no critical thinking going on, you know. I don't know if everyone that follows Trump, I think there are some canny people follow Trump because they enjoy the racism and all that. I think there are other ones because they can get money out of it. And there are other ones because they can get support out of it. I don't think they believe all the bullshit he talks about because you'd have to be a total moron as well to turn your blind eye to all his insane and inane ramblings. There you go. Authoritarianism. Since the rise of Nazi Germany, it's the most widely studied political ideology. And again, they they love to obey. The authoritarians aren't only the actual leader, it's the people that follow them are authoritarians. They love the leader, like Trump, you know, um, and they want to be directed. Might be some kind of sadomasochistic shit going on there, I'm sure. It's a total DT lie, a very dangerous lie, you know. Um, so I'm one of you, everything's right, I love you. He takes money off them left, right, and centre. He walks away laughing at them, I'm sure he does, because Trump has contempt for everybody except himself. You know, his closest people to him, fucked under the bus, every one of them. The people that are, that are making total arseholes of themselves now, standing up defending him, you know they're going under the bus tomorrow. I don't know why they don't learn, but they don't. I don't know what's going on there. Oh, here's the uh, the Trump joke from Carol, Carol Bam Bam Tyler. What does Donald What does Donald Trump's hair and a g-string have in common? They both barely cover an asshole. <laughs> nice one, Carol. There you go.
there you go. So Jason, they were together when I was talking, when, when we were in contact today by voice note or text. So Jason throws a joke as well. It's not necessarily about Trump, though the devil is mentioned, so he's in there somewhere. This is quite a clever one. There's a lot going on in this one. Listen to this. Jason says, what is a reverse exorcism? Answer, when the devil asks the priest to get out of the child's. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot going on there. That's an interesting one, isn't it? You know, Father Misogyny would not like that one. He'd probably go into flames, you know. Yeah. So to conclude, on this Christmas Eve. Now, I'm not sure how this is all going to work out. Um, if I go to Betty Blue's tomorrow for Christmas dinner, there's only Horn Desi there, I think. Then I can pop up to Gardner Street where I work. Because the Wi-Fi is strong there, I you know to import the uh, podcast onto the laptop to send to Jer. Why do you need to know any of this? You don't. I'm just thinking out loud. Um, and I'm, yeah, it might come out. It might get it out Thursday. That would be good. So back to Redzar. She introduced me. Now, where's me water? I did have water as well to drink. She introduced me, and I always think of not literally, but you know, in music wise, to an ultra cool band called Dope Lemon. Now, even the name of the band is cool, isn't it? You just love them already, don't you? Uh, a couple of years back, and I loved them. She's introduced me to lots of great music. I love them, and I really love the kind of. They're a bit druggy. I don't mind that. It's a lot of. We wouldn't have great music without a lot of good chemi you know, chemical use. That's a fact, whether we like it or not. You know? Uh, the great my hero, Bill Hicks, made that point. And if you go see Bill Hicks on Netflix, wherever you'll get him. Um, anyway, Dope Lemon. Beautiful. And a hazy, not really a jazzy sound, kind of a druggy, unusual, slightly electric-ish ish sound but very intoxicating and I find them very healing the way the guy sings that whole kind of twilighty sound actually I feel kind of hazy sound so very recently uh, a little dominatrix a little red dominatrix sent me this track on their uh, Dope Lemon's new album which is called Kimusabi 2023 and the song's called Blue Moon Fox. And I kind of want to finish with this song. Again, it's kind of a, a surreal, creative, non-sequitur type song. The lyrics aren't necessarily saying, here's how you manage when you've been with a dark tetrad cunt. <laughs> right? You want to recover and heal and grow. But a lot of songs don't necessarily say that, but the feel of them kind of caresses your soul a bit. Gives you that inner hug or that. And this song does this to me. And uh, Dope Lemon being Dope Lemon, their lyrics are, you know, stream of consciousness style. I would say there's a few chemicals going on here. There's certainly weed going on, I would imagine. But uh, here, here's what they say in this song. Some of the lyrics. Over my head gets lonely when the sun goes down. Oh, Wiley Fox in his dreams, chasing the smoke around the crystal ball. I see you in the light sometimes, when it's bright. Oh, blue moon, yeah, I see you in the light sometimes, when it's high. 
getting high tonight. Violet flowers of Charlotte and Gin. I knew you would get along. I knew we would get along. The song's been playing in the back of my head for so long. I knew that you'd come along, the crystal ball shining. I see you in the light sometimes. Now, just singing out, saying out the lyrics doesn't do it justice. If you listen to the actual tune, the energy and the vibe, it's so soothing. I get such a uh, vibe out of it, you know, at a very deep, I suppose it touches that subliminal level that Paul spoke about. This isn't a subliminal sneer. This is, a, what would this be? A subliminal, I want to use another S. Not necessarily a snog, though it could be. A subliminal. Mm. I can't get an S that I'm after. Mm. A subliminal. I'll just go cuddle for a while, but I can't think of an S. I'm sure you're probably screaming out one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A subliminal something beautiful anyway. Okay. I see you in the light sometimes. So I'm going to love you and leave you Christmas Eve. Wish you all peace. Absolutely. In the depths of your soul. Hope the Christmas, if you love Christmas, I hope you enjoy every second of it and do all the stuff you love doing. And those that don't really, that can get through it okay. You know, we like to, like to get to Stevens' day, the football's back on, then you're in, it's in the rear view mirror kind of thing, you know, get that old New Year's Eve out of the way. I always found that a bit hectic as well. You know, and again, some people love that. Would be my favourite, you know, so. And there's only so many kind of texts you can answer. Yeah, yeah, you too, you know. All these yeah, really well-meaning, lovely, getting lovely texts, happy Christmas, and um, all of that. That whatever it is you do, all the different bits and pieces, enjoy it. Jer, my editor, thank you so much for everything, everyone. Um, yeah, I will be talking to you. I'll be doing another podcast next Sunday. Yeah, would it be? Is that New Year's Eve? Possibly. I'll possibly be doing it. That'd be an interesting one to do. Uh, number 80, New Year's Eve. All right. I'm sure that's the way that's going to roll. Um, anyway, have a good one. Relax. If you're having a few drinks, enjoy it, whatever. If you don't drink, like me, enjoy that. Enjoy your tea, enjoy your food, enjoy the friends. And, and look, if the opportunity to heal a wound when someone comes along, fucking take it. Regardless of it being Christmas, if Christmas is the kind of catalyst, as I said, let it happen. You know, reach out, make that call, as I often say. Step in, say yeah. Say no if you need to say no. You know, that's also important. Um, yeah. But I hope the, the world moves in that strange and beautiful way for you. That makes it that little bit more like, mm, what's that? Do you know that feeling? Yeah. That makes you, that allures you into the next breath and kind of going, yes, this is good. This is good. And it is good. And it will be good. All is well and all will be well. Talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Twilight Conversations. If you'd like to contact me about the content or any question or comment you have about the podcast, you can do so on thetwilightconversations at gmail.com. So, The Twilight Conversations is an independent production. If you'd like to contribute towards the making of the podcast, you can do so on patreon.com forward slash thetwilightconversations.